This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. It's time to recognize you, you sausage-loving genius. For without you, how would we know that Eckridge smoked sausage can be eaten thrice in one day and that you can take your lunch break before noon? Mm-hmm. Here's to you, Eckridge smoked sausage. You do you. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is our post-match show of Fulham's 1-1 draw to Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. Joining me is Giannis Janais and Max Cohen. We're going to go through this match. There's a lot to talk about with it. There are several talking points, and we're going to break it all down. But before I do anything, I'm going to go right to my co-host and just get their opening reaction first. I'm going to go to Mr. Janais. Giannis. Your opening thoughts on Fulham's 1-1 draw. Very frustrating, Russ. Um, I put on my Facebook post, I was irritated. And I was, I mean, that's the second week in a row. We've played pretty well, dominated the opposition, had a lot of possession. um, And yet we've blown it very, very late. And I felt terrible for the travelling fans because it's, you know, pinning the balloon. And um, But if you look at the table... The good news is we're only five points off top, and this and is all true. This is gonna, this is you know we're in twelfth, so it's gonna be. It is early days, but these are the sort of games where you put the performances in and deserve to take the three points, and it's deflating when you don't. Totally agree with all that, Giannis. It's funny because uh, I'm glad that uh, no one was around. My family was out when I was watching this match, especially at the end, because I was uh, not happy. We'll just leave it at that. I was uh, upset. And I think all Fulham supporters 
are upset after the way that match ended. And, and uh, for good reason, because it was just horrible way for that match to end. Over to you, Mr. Cohen, your opening thoughts. We've got to fill them back. That's all I have to say. <laughs> is that, you know, it was that classic feeling of you knew we'd concede. You just knew it. As soon as they put on that big giant of a man, Newhill, you thought, yeah. header, last minute. And, and, and the sad thing is we were right. And I said the same thing, actually, at the West Brown match, is that I knew just as soon as they started pressing us, we'd concede. And, and that's worrying because it's just letting lead slip, it's, it's the worst thing to go up in a match and not win it. And we've made a habit of that so far this season. But again, Giannis is 100% right. Everyone's overreacting. Um, it's so early on in the season. It's so early on. I mean, who could forget? When we got promoted, of course, we went on that amazing run. But let's not forget, by October 31st, we had that home loss to Bristol City. It was a low point in the season. I keep bringing this back because that was so late yep. in the season. And we went up. And we also went on that run. Um, when we made the playoffs, but didn't get promoted back in 2017. Yep. The championship is all about catching momentum at the right time. And as Norwich showed last season, a bunch of people decided that's that. If you start out slowly, as long as you pick up steam in the second half of the season, you'll be okay. And the, the encouraging thing is this team has enough quality to get that steam, to get comfortable with each other. We just have to, there has to be a spark there. And it hasn't happened yet, but I'm confident it will happen. And just one okay. last thing, guys. Go ahead. I'm not hearing anything. I'm not hearing anything. Anything about Marcus Bedinelli. I wonder why. You didn't give me a Maybe chance to really go there match. yet. You've already jumped I in there. I, I was going to say that, but you already everyone, went there. Go I, ahead. I was, I was portrayed, or I felt like I went out. The only one who said, hey, just give best a chance. And it's something very quiet on the anti-bet front. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Bedinelli because he made some key saves and Max, you have every right to toot your own horn when it comes to that because he played well. And uh, there's no question about that. I was going to mention it during the show, but fair enough. You already uh, jumped ahead talking about that. And I uh, definitely want to give credit to Marcus Bettinelli in this match. Definitely, he deserves it. All right. Now, Max, you said something very interesting. You were talking about the team basically coming together, gelling, and playing together. Well, that's going to lead me to my first talking point. And uh, I already did the full-time show with Craig Coleman. He had some very interesting things to say. He was coming back from the match. And the first thing he talked about was basically, I'm paraphrasing, Fulham looking disjointed, not playing together as a unit. So Giannis, I want to go to you because Craig was talking about specifically, he was talking about the wingers, Ivan Cavallaro and Anthony Knockhart, and that maybe they're just not suited for the style of play that Fulham play. That he believes that their skill set is better for a counterattacking style, which we're not going to see with Fulham. Fulham's a possession-style system, and it's not going to change. It's the way we want to play, and I believe it's the way Scott Parker wants to play. So he also talked about the fact that uh, Bobby Reed was one of the central midfielders, and he was kind of playing the Tom Candy role, and that was also part of the team not basically – playing together as a unit. And there are other things as well. I want to get your thoughts on what Craig had to share about the flow of the team, because I think this has been a theme. They, Again, I don't think it's all clicking yet. What are your thoughts about what Craig shared on the full-time show? I know you listened to it. I, I, sort of, I, understand, I understand where he was coming from, 
I'm not so sure it would be so prevalent had we not held on in the game. I mean, if we held on to win it, um, Parker looks like a genius because he's changed the lineup up and we've gone up to Hillsborough and got a really good result. And it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, we still remember, we're still only eight games into the season and um, we've seen flashes from Carriera and Knockout and it's going to, the season is going to evolve. I, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not so sure we'd have had this conversation if we'd, um, we'd got the win. Um, it was a different lineup yesterday, for sure. And yes. uh, I thought it was an interesting one. And for 92 minutes, it worked. Um, and unfortunately, we got, uh, we were let down defensively. But it shows Parker's trying to experiment a little bit. Okay. Um, set up for the counter-attacking thing. That's not really our nature anyway. I mean, right. We are going to try and be the possession. It makes me wonder, the way it was set up yesterday, whether or not uh, Cavallero and Nokar expect to do a lot more defending that can draw the, t- the counter-attack. That's a possibility. But as I said, it's, you know, it's um, we're still very early in the season and um, the weather's going to get colder and the pitches are going to get heavier and uh, and that's where I think you're going to see the full value of what they bring to the team. Okay. And before I go to Max, I want to go back to you. Where do you put on the fact that Fulmer only had two shots on target, really didn't create a lot? Where do you think it broke down yesterday at Hillsborough? I think it was the lack of familiarity with the lineup and, and the setup. It was a little different because it looked like he was playing with three in the middle with, with TC, Reed, and they could over Reed. So yep. um, it may have been that. Having said that, um, I'm sure he was preparing the lads for it during training this week. Um, but, you know, Hillsborough is a difficult place to get anything. We know that. Right. They're a good side. Um, they're pretty well managed, and they've got a lot of experience in, experience in there. So um, the possession thing is right, obviously. Uh, I think it bears fruit the later in the season we go. But it was concerning that we had so few chances on net. And I'm sure they're all going to look at the game tape and see where maybe um, – are they getting enough support from the midfield? Are they moving the ball quick enough? That's right. my biggest concern is we don't move the ball quick enough. Totally agree uh, with you. Into, into, you know, zones three and four. I think we need to, we're a little bit too ponderous. And that's where too I think slow. I to, totally agree, Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's where we need to be a little bit more direct. Okay, very good. Max, over to you. I want your thoughts on what Yana shared and then also what I shared, what Craig mentioned yesterday, because I found it interesting. He was there. He was just, surveying what he watched and he was really focusing the majority talking about Cavallaro and also Narkart and the fact that you have these two players and he thinks that they're more suited for a counterattack and stone. That's just not going to be what foam play and that it just looked disjointed. What what are your thoughts about all that and also what Yana shared? Yeah, I mean disjointed, I don't know if that's necessarily the right word. It was just toothless, right? Seventy percent possession. Okay. away from home let's just like process that 70 percent away from home that's ridiculous for us that's amazing that's domination and then you look at the actual shots on target too that's not good enough no so for me that doesn't necessarily say disjointed but it says this is a team who can dominate matches but can't turn those into opportunities and i think i think the wingers are a good place to focus i don't know if i think to say they're not suited to our style of play is a bit of an overreaction i think okay. they just need to be more direct actually because this, this reminds me of the big moment that I want to take us back to is the Huddersfield match. 
when we had that shift at halftime from the kind of toothless style of play to more direct, and, and it got us results right away. And I think what happened there is that Cavalier and Knocker got more direct, and Parker said, listen, take players on, beat them one-on-one, get to the byline, get the fullbacks involved, right? And that's why I think we played really good football away from home this season. And we haven't really seen a replication of that away from home yet. And it's like Cavalier or Knocker are hesitant to get forward and beat people, or they're just not doing it as well. And, and that's what I want to touch on because that's where I feel like when we're in that attacking third, you guys are right. It's not happening. For no, whatever it's reason, not. We're not getting balls into the box. We're not getting shots on target. I mean, two shots on target, that, that's so poor. And I just think the urgency, and I don't know if there's one really easy fix for that, right? Okay. To increase urgency on the pitch, that's something, that's almost like a culture thing, right? That that's, brings us back to last season when, the defense was so poor, and it's keep making individual mistakes. How do you fix these small individual mistakes that lead to goals? It's very difficult to deal with. And a sense of urgency, I think that's something that has to happen on the training pitch. That's a okay. tone set by Scotty Parker. And maybe we'll see more of that after he grabbed his brother-in-law by the scuff of the neck. We're going to talk about that in just a bit. <laughs> the impetus, yeah. Let's hope. Okay, very good. Max, I want to go right back to you because – here we are, we're talking about how Fulham are playing, and something that I've noticed a great deal, and I'm sure you obviously notice it because you watch it, the matches closely, and we're talking about getting the wingers involved. What do you make of Steven Sessegnon going inward instead of going farther out? He tends to cut in. What, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think that could also be affecting things? I, I've just been watching this on a consistent basis. He does this in a I know there's got to be a, a reason for it. What are your thoughts about that? I think with our possession-based football, that can be a real bonus. Because we saw this, I think, most notably in the Millwall match, when he floated in a bunch from that, from that right-hand side in right. the middle and played almost like – and remind, I mentioned at the time it was kind of like Philip Lahm when Guardiola converted him from a right-back to a center-mid. Sometimes that's a thing managers like to have their wing-backs kind of driven to the center and play technical football. But I think away from home, that needs to go. Because, again, back to Huddersfield away, where do we get that goal from Cavalero? It all started off with Sessione making a wonderful overlapping run. That's right. And lofting in a ball. We haven't, I can't remember the last time we've seen that from him, which is so frustrating because we know he has the pace. We know he has the delivery skills, which we've been so lacking from wide positions. The crosses have consistently been pretty poor. And I don't know why Sessione, I think at home, he should definitely do that. I think that's, that's a good use of his, of his skills. But away from him, I think Scotty has to make that adjustment and say, listen, Seth, overlap, get down the byline, put some crosses in. Don't float inside and play as an extra center midfielder. We don't need that. We need more direct. Okay. Very interesting. Yanis, what are your thoughts about that? Um, well, Max is right. Two shots on that isn't, isn't good enough, and, and something has to change. And I still think it's the speed. I still think it's the speed of the movement. Um, I still think we're too slow building the ball from the back. And um, it's fairly easy to defend. Um, I don't see enough movement off the ball. And that's part of my problem. And I don't see enough uh, of the strikers dropping to offer it. I'd like to see us crowd the midfield a little bit and then try and look at either overlaps or looking at uh, channel passes. Because I find that the strikers right now are being a little bit static uh, and not offering enough options. You can't, yep. you know, come drop 10, 15, 20 yards and offer an early option and then move back and just keep the defenders moving and thinking. 
right. but it looks a little ponderous. It, 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 I'm wondering, it almost makes me think we're a striker short. Someone who's going to buzz in and out and just, you know, keep defenders on their toes. And we look, we look a little bit predictable. Having said right. that, again, we had a lead. We had really? a lead. It's not like, um, I mean, would we all settle for 23 one nothing wins? Absolutely, <laughs> we would. Absolutely. And, we, you know, we've on the whole dominated yesterday, but we've just not created a lot. Um, so Scotty will be, he'll be disappointed. And, uh, but, I mean, these are, you know, it's only eight games in. Sure. Um, and as for the Sessignon thing, I, I think that's one, I, when the ball came in, I, my first thought was, why is he in? Why isn't he out? Right. But then it's taken the deflection. It's one of those, you know, it's like, oh, here we go again, Fulhamish. <laughs> I hate to use that word, but Fulhamish, late goal. Um, they'll be they'll be very, very disappointed. But, I mean, you know, we've got Wigan next Saturday. And um, although we beat Charlton, I think it's a very winnable game. And only five points off. Right. You know. Anyway, I'd rather be them than the, I'd rather be us than Huddersfield. <laughs> so would I, Yanis. All right. Another talking point because we're talking about the style of play and how things broke down, and we're talking about them being toothless. I'm glad that Max used that word. Giannis used the word ponderous. Very good words. So, again, something that we talked about on full time. Giannis, I'll go to you. I know we're just in the beginning stages of the season, also the beginning stages of a manager learning his way through. But I want to ask you about this match specifically. How much do we put on Scott Parker? And how much do we put on the players for this 1-1 draw? Um, I put it on I put it on the players because the players, you know, Parker can, Parker's plan has worked for 92 minutes. So um, he's prepared them well. But in the last, 10 minutes, the players on the pitch know. They, there's a, there are, in every stadium in the world, there'll be a clock. <laughs> so they, they know the time. They know what they need to do. You've got, you know, the US, U.S. international captain at the back, right? You've got a lot of international experience in that team. And they should be able to manage that because Parker can't do it. So that's where the players, I think, need to... I mean, people could talk about subs and what have you, but... Players still have to do it, and um, for me, that they, they, they've just got to do a better job of, um, you know, clock man, clock management. Yeah, it's it's clock management, and in every oh, sport, I agree. when you have a tight lead, you've got to the players. It's not like um, it's not like other sport, like NBA, where you can call timeouts. So you know, you can do the, the controllable thing of you know doing subs in the first minute, a sub in the first minute of injury time, and then next break and play you do another one just to kill kill the clock that's what that's what the, the coach can control but in terms of on the field of play i mean these players know what time it is and they should be you know midfielders should be dropping you know if they're not occupying space they're picking up a man so to me it's the, the, we've got enough experience out there on the pitch that we should know how to do how to defend narrowly so it's, it's disappointing particularly that the players weren't able to, to, to do that yesterday. Okay. Max, over to you. Thoughts on what I just shared in regards to Scott Parker and the players. Who do you put the blame on for the 1-1 draw? And also, big picture, 
like I said, early stages for Scott Parker. If you go on social media, you're already seeing a good amount of chatter about <laughs> him. So I'm curious your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, it's again, it's a tough one. I don't think, of course, Parker Adams is ridiculous. That's at this stage of the season to call for the manager to be sacked is ludicrous. And the people doing it are just looking for attention, in my opinion. But there's a decision to be made, right? When you're one nil up with around half an hour to go away from home, what do you do? And in this case, I think Parker said, I'm going to be a little more pragmatic. I'm going to try to hold on to this lead, see this match out, and hope that one goal is enough. And I couldn't really blame him for that in that moment in time. We weren't playing that great. I thought we could just kind of sit back and go for the one nil. Obviously, looking back, that was the wrong call. But other managers might have said, let's go for two. Let's give ourselves a security. Let's get an extra goal. So if you want to blame him, you can blame him. But I don't think he did too much wrong yesterday, honestly. I think that was probably the correct decision. And I think maybe the players let him down. His brother-in-law was was, was off his head. That well, was let's talk about him. At that moment in time. Yeah, That's a great sure. transition. Let's talk about Harry Arthur because – I talked about this with Craig on full time and I got to be honest with you guys. I don't think I've seen what ended up happening between Scott Parker and uh, Harry Archer before. And maybe I'm just don't have enough years and years of experience to see this stuff. I'm sure maybe Giannis, you've seen something like this, but Mm -hmm. I've never seen a manager grab a player like that before, but it all starts with Harry Archer. Max, what concerns me about him, and this is actually uh, someone tweeted to me that we need players, I'm paraphrasing that, are passionate. And I agree with that. But I think what Harry Archer is doing is more than passion. I think he's crossing the line where it can actually be detrimental to the team. What he did yesterday, he could have been sent off, Max. Again, he kept going and going. He had to have players push him away because he was losing his mind. So let's talk about Harry Archer, because on the field, when he does want to play on the pitch, he can be very effective, but he lives on the edge. Your thoughts of the way he reacted in this match, because, again, it was surprising to me, like I said, to the point where I saw the incident between him and his brother-in-law, Scott Parker. Yeah, I know. I have a, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but first, I think that late equalizer has a lot to do with Harry Arthur, and not necessarily, I think his positioning is poor there, but I don't even mean that. I mean, the way his antics fired up the crowd, I think pumped life in that Sheffield Wednesday team, they they were vaguely threatening, I think, but after all the handbags and the late challenges and the aggressiveness, that game, which we easily could have seen out in a very mundane matter, manner, he injected new life into it, and he okay. fired up the, the crowd, he fired up the Sheffield Wednesday players, and that gave them, you know, new motivation to say, listen, this guy's coming on here. He's trying to hurt our players. He's out of his mind. Let's, get, let's go get equalizer. Another thing is that, yeah, there's just no need to be that aggressive. When you're seeing out a late lead, you want to waste time, yes, but you also want to bring down the tempo of the match. You want to slow it down, not speed it up. And in that situation, for a player's experience as he is, it was just a total lack of awareness of match, uh, of game management. Very sad. And then, yeah, just, what, just what Giannis was talking about before. Yeah. Clock yeah, and I, want, I want to talk about – exactly, exactly. And, and he should know better. And then Parker, I think that's one of the best things he's done 
in his tenure as Fulham manager because I've never seen that, number one. But we, we've seen many times players clash with managers, have disagreements, not respect them. But what did Arter do as soon as Parker grabbed him? He didn't even react. He looked at him. He respected him. He didn't lash out. And I was honestly shocked that there's no reaction from Arter. Because if I'm Arter, this guy's obviously, he's, he's seeing red. He's in a really bad spot. He's angry. I thought he would have lashed out, honestly. I cannot believe a grown man, a 30-year-old football or whatever, just let his manager grab him and didn't do anything. That shows to me, actually, that Parker's a lot better respected than we might give him credit for. Because I see a lot of stuff on social media saying Parker needs to stop being their mate and start being their manager. Well, that looked to me like a manager, not someone's mate. Okay, excellent. Giannis, your thoughts on Harry Arter in this match? And listen, I'm one that can see what he can bring Fulham, but living on the edge is dangerous, and I think we were fortunate that he did not get sent off. So what are your thoughts on all this? Um, <laughs> I, well, we, we forget we used to have Terry Hurlock playing for us. Okay. You know, I mean, the older fans on that listen to this will know what he was like. And they'll remember the players like, you know, I mean, although he didn't play for us, Vinnie Jones. Um, Harry Arter um, does live on the edge, but I love what Scott Parker did. I mean, you don't often see that. Um, no. But, but that might be the frustration as well that, he, that you know, Arter got, he got, you know, he got sent off, got suspended, and he wanted to come back and he wanted to prove a point. And I, um, I'm sure that Mr. Parker will get him in the office tomorrow morning and say, look, um, I love your passion, but it's got to be, it's got to be tailored. It's got to be watered a little bit. It's got to be focused. You've got younger players on the team. You've got to understand why, you know, why you are where you are. Um, and I think that's, I think that's really important. And um, it, 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 I said, it was very, very it was interesting. I, I, I mean, if Stefan Johansson does it, we all love him. You know, we call it shithousery. But Arthur, <laughs> is, he, he, yeah, there's a little bit of, there's a bit of petulance and there's a lot of belligerence. But I remember when Terry Herlock played for us. You know, anybody remembers that. He was, a, he was an absolute nutcase. So I think that, the, I mean, Parker's got a job just to, you know, calm him down. and, and Exactly. But it was a little bit of a catalyst in terms of the, the Sheffield Wednesday fans who smell that they had a chance. That's a great point by Max. Great point. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was because they could so feed that, yeah. the players can feed off that, Giannis. Yeah, yeah, they they can they can feed off that um, for sure. It, it was it was comical in a way um, because it showed. But but I loved Arta. Arta didn't argue. Arta had his eyes down, and that was. And Max is right. That's a mark of respect. So yeah. They know who the manager is, and uh, I thought that was a positive. It's a great point by both of you to bring that up because. As Max said, there's talk, you know, that maybe the players see him as their mate. Well, that moment there can change everything. So that could be a very big positive for Scott Parker, showing that he's the man in charge. And the respect that he got from Harry Archer afterwards showed that. So good point by both of you to talk about that. All right, guys, let's now get into this. Let's start off with the... Starting 11 in the 18 overall, Giannis, I'll go to you. Very interesting decision with the midfield three. What were your thoughts? I thought it was interesting. I thought it was very interesting. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't mind it. Um, I, 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 I do like uh, Bobby Reed. I think it's good to give him a 
a run out and he lasted the 90 minutes, which I thought was great. I think Harris Reed has certainly earned his, his spurs in there. Uh, I think if Parker now looks at the lineup against Wigan, um, I'm wondering if one of the strike, one of the wingers may be in danger uh, of losing their place. Um, but I did like the lineup. Um, the bench looked pretty good. I mean, the only thing was going to be, did Parker yield to the sentiment of a lot of us that, that maybe it was a, an opportunity to give uh, Marek Rodak a, 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 um, a shot in net? I think he thought very, very close, uh, carefully about that one. And I don't think that Rodak is, is far off at all. Betnelli played very, very well yesterday. He did. But we, but we all know that he's just a nanosecond away from another gap. So, um, or Marcus the Carcass. Somebody got mad at me because I called him Marcus the Carcass. Um, but if he does, you know, if he if he fluffs up, fluffs his lines next Saturday against Wigan, then I think it might be Kodak Rodak time. And um, it would. Um, but I mean, to be fair, to Betsy, he did play well yesterday. But did. I did. Like, I did like the lineup. Okay. Very interesting. I was not expecting to see Bobby Reed starting. He did, and uh, th- I thought that was uh, a fascinating decision. Max, what were your thoughts on that in the 18 overall? Oh, it was the same 18 as last week. So, in, in that sense, it's consistency, right? Um, but I-, I want more from Bobby Reed. I-, I want to like him, but I just haven't seen a good performance from him in a full shirt. We've seen bits, but I really want him to be the player that I think we all think he is because he played well for Cardiff last season in the Premier League, but excellently for Bristol City in the championship season before that. Right. You know what he can He scored a bunch against it. It seemed like every time he played him, he scored. I always thought he was more of a central striker player. So maybe to get more attack impetus away from home next time we go with Mitro and Reed up top because he can play off him. Mitro flicking on balls for Bobby Reed. That could be that could be an answer, but I thought the lineup was was, was fine, um, and of course Ben Nelly and goal that's a big thing. It's almost as if you know that's is not the problem in this team; it's our lack of running possession into goals. Okay, very good. All right, good stuff. Let's get into the first half, and I'll just go over some key moments, and then we'll just give our overall assessment of the half. Let's start off with uh, Fulham controlling the play. Listen, they controlled the play for the entire half. I think that's fair to say. But the first opportunity came from Stephen Fletcher in in, in the 10th minute that just goes over. 23rd minute, uh, again, you you do have a header that goes over from a corner for Fulham. And then in the um, 24th minute, you have a a double save by Betts. Again, key moment. I want to give Max credit because your guy stepped up here. Huge. (laughs) And then in the 26th minute, you have a shot by Cavallero that goes wide. And then you have another save by Betts in the 31st minute. So, again, he was really stepping up. 34th minute, you have Narkard shot uh, that saved on a free kick. And then we can go to the goal, and then we can start talking about the half here. You have a goal by Tom Kearney. But this started off with a cross by Joe Bryan. It was saved by Westwood, but it got away from him and then ended with Tom Kearney, he put it in the back of the net. Mr. Janaeus, I'll go to you. Thoughts on the goal? We'll start there first. Well, it started off. It was started off with a Bobby Reed pass, and to Brian, I thought Westwood yep. should have done better with a cross. I really do. I think if he looks at the tape, he'll, you know, he's got to do better 
a keeper of his quality. But, you know, a bit of a kerfuffle in the box and, um, you know, Kenny's there to tuck it home. And, and some, so often it's about the timing of the goal. When you score just before half-time or just after, it can be a real killer blow. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, you know what? A one-goal lead away from home, long journey up to Sheffield, Sheffield as well. Um, that's a good half. And, you know, it sets us up if we can push forward and get a second goal. It should be, you know, three points in the bag. Um, it just shows, you know, Brian's a good, very, very good player. I don't think there's no, no doubt about it. But I think that's something, if that had been Marcus, I'd have been critical of uh, the save. Um, yeah. So I think I'd have been critical of Westwood. I think he should have done better. But luckily, Kenny was there to piss, pick up, piss up the mess. What's wrong with me? Pick up the mess. <laughs> sound like I'm a cat. Pick up the mess and then slot it home. So uh, we went into the half in the lead. We did, my friend. All right. Max, over to you. Feel free to share your thoughts on the goal and then also just your overall assessment on the first half. I think Kennedy's uh, goal is actually really underrated here because there are a lot of bodies in that goal line. He has to steady himself with that first touch. And then the way he slots it in is actually excellent because Honestly, there's not a big gap to put that ball in. So it's just really calm, composed. I was so happy for Tom. It was such a nice goal for him to get. And, you know, I think we can focus on Westwood making a mistake perhaps, but I want to talk about Brian's excellent ball. Because yes. when he puts delivery into that kind of area, it just makes it so difficult for the defenders and the goalkeeper. Because I think Westwood's anticipating a touch. So he doesn't want to commit too much one way or the other in case someone has actually makes a connection with that and he has to make a save. So that's why I think he hesitates, punches that pretty late. Um, but Kenny does the rest. That was just delightful. Perfect way to get the goal. Uh, perfect time. Because you're right, we had control of the play, but yeah. really not much in way of any sort of attacking, you know, threats Westwood had to face. So I was delighted. It was a nice kind of smash and grab moment in that sense. But again, we did not really make the most out of that lead. Uh, as we'll talk about soon. Yes. But let me just ask you, do you think it was uh... – the one nil lead, a fair assessment of the first half, or do you think, like you said, you said smash and grab. So do you think that it was a little bit unfair on Sheffield Wednesday for Fulham to be up one nil? Yeah, I'd say so. I think it probably should have been honors even at halftime. There was not much to separate us in terms of clear-cut chances. And if anything, right, Wednesday had the better chances before we scored. They Marcus did. made that double save, so it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to say. Okay, and it always goes back to Marcus Benelli for you, Max. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Guys, come on. We spent so much time on Monday. All we talked about in that, in that post-match show was about best, and suddenly it's all going quiet. Did he play? Did he hurt? I've got a response later on in the show for that. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I, I mean, Giannis Aite's gone now, right? So, I mean, he's going to be the new guy. Oh, God. Okay. Go. All right. All right. Oh, Let's move on. Let's talk about the second half, guys, because uh, very interesting things that we could talk about the second half. And um, I just want to focus on one thing. Again, you know, I thought Adam Reach played fairly well for Sheffield Wednesday, but they brought in Jacob Murphy in the second half. And then um, and then you actually have in the 60, 60th minute, a header from Murphy goes wide. And then you had an opportunity a couple of minutes later from Barry Bannon. And he's a player that always scares me because I, I think he's got a good – amount of skill and when he does have his opportunities he can be dangerous and then you have an opportunity from Fulham in the 66th minute a free kick from Anthony Knockout that goes over that was 
unfortunate. And then you, after that, you have the double substitution. Cavallero and Sessignon go off. Harry Arter and uh, Dennis Adoy come on, which is uh, very interesting. And um, in the 70th minute, they take off Karen Lee and bring on Sam Winnell. And then I think a, a pivotal moment, and we knew this was going to happen, was Nuhu coming on the 77th minute. But beyond that, I'm, I'm just giving you situations that are coming up, basically substitutions, because there weren't that many opportunities for foam guys. And um, in the 82nd minute, Anthony Narkar comes off and Abubakar Kamara comes on. And then in the 87th minute, you have a comfortable save from Bettinelli. From I had it from Nuhu, but that would all change shortly after that. And then after that, and I've seen a lot of this in regards to Fulham's time wasting. I want to talk about this now before we talk about the equalizer from Sheffield Wednesday. Is it fair criticism on Fulham for the time wasting that they did? Because you could hear it in the crowd. They were getting really agitated. And like I said, I've heard from a few fans of Sheffield Wednesday and someone actually tweeted me that they were that former cheaters. So <laughs> Max, I'm going to go to you. I want to talk about the time wasting. I think it's something that many teams do. It's happened to Fulham many times. I'm not a fan of the time wasting. I think Fulham did do time wasting here. What are your thoughts about the reaction from the Sheffield Wednesday supporters near the end of the match? Well, I wouldn't even say many teams do it, Ross. Every single team does it. Everywhere across the world, in every division, at every level of football, it's a fact of the game. People don't like it. Of course, you hate it when it's happening to your team and you want to get that equalizer and the other team's wasting time. But when your team's wasting time, we love it. It's good game management and it's celebrated as, like, you know, tactical mouse, right? So right. It's, it's, it's finicky. But one thing, the golden rule of time wasting is that you have to win the match or at least see through the result you want, right? If you time waste and it comes back, and it blows up in your face, then you look like a fool. And that's what happened to us. So if you want yep. a time waste, at least make sure you're actually successful in seeing out the match. Because, you know, right, you get all that added time, right? There's however many minutes of added time because we kept wasting that time. And yep. then late, deep in the stoppage time, we concede, and we look like we look foolish. So I'm not going to sit here and say no team should time waste and take that kind of standpoint. But, listen, everyone does it. It's a fact of the game. But you actually have to see out the result. So I have no problem with it. Okay. It's annoying, of course, but it's, it's how the game is played. But the most frustrating thing is all that extra stoppage time that we caught because of our time wasting came back to bite us. Great point. Giannis, what are your thoughts on all this? Because, again, we've talked about when it's happened to Fulham and we're not happy. So I guess I understand why other fans of the opposition are not happy. But this is so prevalent in football. What, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I, I mean, we was we're as guilty as every other team that plays it, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend it. I hate it. I, if I'd been a Fulham player, I'd actually try and speed the game up so I can get the hell out of Sheffield as quick as possible. <laughs> if, you, if you've been up there, you'll know why. Um, but uh, no, it was um, cheaters. Oh, like, shut up! But really, come on. It's just it's. I think it's just jealousy and anger that United are in the Premier League. And uh, their little blue and white army aren't. But um, I think that, uh, you, you know, it's, it, it, it happens all the time. I know Gentleman Jim has a good moan when teams do it at the cottage. Yeah. And um, every team seems to do it. It's called game management. It's clock management. 
You were just talking about it earlier, Giannis. Yeah, that's that's what you do. But the clock management really works if you can keep the ball in their end of the field. And that's the thing, right? Uh, and and remember, that's why you've got a ref. You know, if, if he thinks if he thinks you're time wasting, he starts brandishing cards. And uh, players that get cards for time wasting, it's not like it's a, it's a big secret. And it's usually the goalkeepers that get it because they you know take they take an an age to just to get a place kick off. But no, no problems about it. It's not nobody's cheating when they do it. Um, it's just it's just uh, it's just uh, a part of the game. Okay. And how about the word gamesmanship? It's just something that other teams do like you said everyone does it and uh i don't know if sheffield wednesday have done it but i know several teams and like max said he thinks every team doesn't it and i don't know if that's accurate but i know so many do do it so that's why you know again i'm not a fan of it you're not a fan of it either Giannis. but it's a a a fact of uh of the game it just is teams do it they're trying to see the match out and like you mentioned, clock management, and, and uh, as Max said, it's great when it works, but when it doesn't, you look like a fool, and Fulham look like a fool here. So that's uh, the bottom line on the uh, yeah. time-wasting of the clock management. It didn't work, and that's going to yeah, lead – go ahead, well, Max. Can I can say one thing quickly, Russ, about what Giannis said, because I think it's, it's, it's an excellent point. And the only way – so Giannis said the brunt of the yellow cards issued are to keepers because they're usually the most guilty, right? The only way people are going to eradicate this and kick this out of the game is if one match a keeper gets two yellows for time wasting and sent off. Right. Because what does yellow matter to somebody who doesn't have a yellow later on in the match, right? There's no Benelli got booked, right? There's, he did. there's no consequence to that. Absolutely none. But if it happens twice and the referee actually has the courage to give someone a second yellow, that is the only way this thing will be kicked out of the game. Until that happens, it will just be a slap on the wrist and no one will actually fear the consequences. Okay. That's actually a very good point there, my friend. All right. That all leads up to talking about the equalizer, the sucker punch. And like I said, I'm just glad that no one was home when I watched this because I was not happy. And uh, I probably erupted my whole neighborhood with the words coming from my mouth. So, Max, I'll give you the honors. Let's talk about what happened here. Again, preventable. Let's talk about the equalizer from Sheffield Wednesday at in the 93rd minute to end the match, basically. There was a little bit of time left, but this is – in stoppage time, this one really hurt. Yeah, and it hurt so badly, Russ. But I'm going to talk about Harrison Reed here because I, I like him. I thought he had a generally good match. But what he does here when he dives in on the right wing, that leads to this goal, in my opinion, because there's, there's really no danger when the ball is passed from the Wednesday left back to Wednesday left winger there. But Reed, I don't know what he's thinking. There's no need to dive in. All he has to do is it back, just make sure the player doesn't beat him. He dives in very easily. The winger beats him on the left wing. Arder is also caught behind the ball. Candy's jogging back and it's flicked on. Um, the cross comes in, flicked on by the Mawson and three yep. back post header. Ryan has two players. You can't mark both of them. But it's all about the positioning for me of our three central midfielders. When you're setting a lead, basically all Candy, Arder, and Reed were all in the kind of right wing position. And actually, after the winger turns Reed, all three of them are now behind the ball when you need sometimes an extra holding midfielder to be in the box to maybe deal with that cross. They were all hopefully out of position, beat way too easily. And I think that, I mean, this might be a stretch here, but I'm saying when Arter came on, 
and changed the complexion of the match and got players a little more amped up, that might be a reason. That can affect players in the pitch. That might be why Harrison Reed decides to foolishly and hot-headedly dive in in that position because there's no need for that. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Giannis. Yeah, I'm not when Harrison looks at the, the game tape, I'm sure he's going to, he's going to, you know, I'm sure Scott is going to say, you know, that's where you, you commit. Once you're down, you know, you're effectively out of the play. It was a frustrating way to concede the goal. He's had a decent game, but, but once again, you know, just, just needless loss of possession. And it was almost, it was really full of mission, wasn't it? Knew who was going to come on and score the equalizer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was I just it's just so typical. But I mean these are early in the season, these are good lessons to learn. Um I know it would have been a long journey south. Um and a lot of players would be would have been very, very upset and angry. But the the good thing about football is that they'll come back you know, they'll go to Motspur Park tomorrow morning and uh you know, and the game's done. You you can't you can't reverse anything about it, you've got to look forward. And uh, there were some very good things, I think. It's going to be important that we get a win against Wigan because we've not not won our last two home games. We lost to Forest and then drew with West Brom. So it's important we can get three points on Saturday. And I'm sure the boys will be up for it. And uh, that's the beauty of you know, game save. You can review what you did well and, and not so well. And, uh, and look, for, we can't afford to dwell on it. I mean, we have the frustration of the first 24 hours. But the, the players have a job to do. And, you know, they're, they're, they're pros, so they'll look forward to the next game. But it was frustrating for sure. Absolutely. It was, uh, like I said, just a huge sucker punch and uh, just a terrible way to end that match. It's funny because, as I mentioned on a prior show on the full-time show, that um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch the Leeds United match, but Leeds United went into stoppage time. Yeah. And who scores the equalizer for Derby County? Chris Martin. Oh. <laughs> and that so, was, and that, you know what? That was absolute daylight robbery because Derby would never. That in was that game. never. In they that were game. never in that game. Never ever in that game for them to get a point. It still blows my mind. I watched that match, and ours was different. Sheffield Wednesday weren't good, and there's no question about that. They didn't create enough for themselves. They didn't have have some opportunity. But it wasn't as one-sided as this Leeds United match. This that was insane, and for them to get the equalizer was just like Giannis said, highway robbery. Anyways, I just wanted to share that. All right, guys, let's finish up with looking at the full-time stats, and then we'll share who we think was the man of the match. So let's start with the full-time stats. Possession. This isn't going to shock you. Seventy-one percent to twenty-nine percent in favor of foam. Total shots. Sheffield Wednesday had more guys. Twelve to nine. On target, they had more as well. Sheffield Wednesday, 5-2. to two. You look at the corners, we're in favor of Fulham, 5-2. to two. We haven't talked about this, but the corners were better, uh, I, I want to say, in this match. And even Gentleman Jim mentioned that as well. Crosses in favor of Fulham, 15-12. And then let's look at the attempted passes, 634-260 to 260 in favor of Fulham. The attacking passes, 244-90 to 90 in favor of Fulham. Passing accuracy, very good for Fulham, 84%. That's where they want to be, 65% for Sheffield Wednesday. Then if you look at the fouls, 15 for Sheffield Wednesday and 11 for Fulham. Max, thoughts on the 
full-time stats, what do they tell you? They tell me we had the ball, we didn't do much with it, and that's a sad thing. But actually, the corners, you know, five to two, we the court delivery is much better this week. That's one thing I didn't want to talk about that we haven't discussed today is that I think Knockard actually did a lot better job with his deliveries, and Mitro got his head in a number of them, perhaps could have done better. But that's one aspect I think we're improved this week, and that the set piece delivery was better. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Giannis. Full-time stats. The number of shots on target. Um, that's just, I mean, that's disappointing. You know, for all our possession, we created very, very little. And that might be the one, maybe the biggest talking point. You could say, you know, we've obviously considered the late goal, which is tough. Yep. But we've not we've not created enough. Absolutely. We really needed a second goal, yeah. And, it, and it, uh, it, it's going to worry uh, Parker a little. It probably gave him a sleepless night um last night so um and that that's what they've got to work on they've got to get more shots on the target um more balls in the box um so two two in 90 minutes is is, is, is uh, not so good yeah so let me ask you about this what do you think is the root cause of that situation is it not being urgent enough is it not pa- is it going back to what you said earlier not passing the ball quick enough just being more ponderous why is it only Two shots on target. What, can you put your finger on it? I, I think we're just too ponderous moving the ball forward. I think we, we you know, we play around with the ball too much, and uh, it's um, it's great that the defenders and the goalkeeper get lots and lots of touches, but in those zones one and two, that's not where you're going to score goals unless you fancy shooting from the halfway line. You've got to get it to three and four, and and you've got to do it quickly, and you've got to do it with slick passing and and good movement off the ball. And we don't do that, so we become predictable. Yeah. And uh, teams totally now know how we're going to play. Well, they're not going to get the ball. They're not going to get the ball off us. But they do know that if we don't move the ball quick enough, we're only going to create so many chances. So it's going to, they're going to be low-scoring games, which for a team of our talent, it shouldn't be. No, We've definitely not. We've got a lot of talent. Yeah. So things to learn. Again, it's you know it's, it is re- very early days, and if you look, you know. There's 11 places, but only five points separating us and top. It's telling you how difficult the division is, how much parity there is. And um, there are going to be many more challenges ahead, but we're, we're going to grow into it, I think. I mean, um, dropping late leads is part of the process. You're going to have to learn from them, and you don't want to feel – you certainly don't want to feel like that. And uh, I feel terrible for the travelling supporters who thought we were outstanding yesterday again. Yeah. And it's a long way to go and a lot of money to go up to South Yorkshire. And, um, you know, to come away with only one point is just, it was disappointing for them. Absolutely. And the one thing I want to say about that gives me hope. And I go back to the Millwall match because they have it in them. They have it. They totally have it in them. You can see how they can ultimately play and dominate a team. So it's there. It's just a matter of being able to do it each and every week because they have the ability. It's uh, showing it on the pitch, and uh, teams are now going to be set up to frustrate them like we saw on Saturday. It's going to continue until they figure it out, and uh, hopefully they will sooner than later. All right, yep. quickly, man of the match, Giannis. Who would you give the man of the match to? Floyd Aite. Okay, very funny. <laughs> um, oh, Is there a man um, of the match? Oh, I, 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 Come on, I, guys. I, I, it's a very clear I'm, one. Very clear I'm, one. 
I, I think I think <laughs> I think Kodak Rodak was superb. Kept a clean sheet. <laughs> Um, I hate to do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give it to Marcus. I, yeah. He made some, he made some timely saves. Marcus the Carcass did all right yesterday. I'll give, I'll give you that. I'll give him that. I'll give him the man a match. Okay, okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, okay. Max, you've had your fun. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. Just kidding, Max. <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> I'll go over to you, Max. I know who your man of the match is. Yeah. I mean, but. It's not. It shouldn't even be that controversial. The attack was poor. You can't really single out one player from no, you can't. midfield who did that well. And the guy who really kept us in this match is the goalkeeper. And, and that's something we should all get behind as form supporters because he played okay. well. And and let let's be happy. Okay, listen, I'm yeah. there with you, and I'm happy to say you're right and I'm wrong for this week. But as Yana said, until the next gaff by Marcus Benelli, then it'll come all up again. But he played well. He deserves man of the match. And I shouldn't have said, who is going to be your man of the match? Because there is one clear cut, and it was Marcus Benelli. He kept Fulham in the match, honestly, because uh, they could have scored a few goals. And he actually stood up and played well. So I want to give him credit and also Max Cohen credit. And it does kill me to say that. Okay. All right. All right. Great show, guys. And listen, we have a, a huge match to talk about coming up because I'm, gl- I'm glad that Giannis, you were really talking about Wigan. Fulham desperately need to win that match. This is, I hate to say it, it is, it's a must win because they need to now take themselves from 12th and move up the table, keep themselves close that they're not getting too far away from the top group. They need to stay close, and they need to start winning their matches at home. And I guess we can be okay with getting a point on the road in a difficult place but like Sheffield Wednesday, but they're still dropping points. If they have four more points, there would be a completely different look to Fulham right now. We'd be talking differently about them. And they deserve to win both of them, and they didn't win – Either of them. They drew both of them. And I think that's why we're talking the way we are. So we have a huge match to talk about coming up against Wigan, and we'll be doing that in probably a little less than a week. But let's wrap up this episode of Cottage Talk. For my co-host, Yana Shanaez and Matt Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frame. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. 
Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.